We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Advanced Sports Analytics Show. I'm your host, Travis Mangone, here back with my buddy, Stuart. How's it going over there, my man? Hey, it's going all right. Uh, morning record uh, is kind of a different uh, different look from the side of the computer uh, today. Yeah, we're doing this here on Friday morning for you guys. Excited to, uh, you know, get, get kind of going with the NFL. Uh, this is definitely a really, really interesting slate. Uh, before we kind of dive into that, though, we are going to talk about, if you're watching this right now, uh, there's NBA going on this season. And NBA is a great time. And if you're watching on Friday, we have a little bit of a nice little free roll going on over here on Roto Grinders at the lineup HQ. Uh, you know, it's for premium subscribers only, but if you, you get this for free, if uh, you know, you're playing on Friday, you get to enter up to 150 lineups using the lineup HQ. And, uh, you know, you can jump in on the Yahoo contest. If you're looking on how to get on, get on that, uh, go on at Roto Grinders over here, jump in, look at the banner at the top, click on that. It'll lead you to the lineup HQ, build 150 lineup, start in the Yahoo contest, and you can use it for free. So, uh, jump on in, play some NBA right now, but Stuart, we're going to dive in. We're going to talk about NFL now, and we're going to talk about the week nine review. And week nine was a uh, you know pretty good week for me. I can't complain overall. And listen, the reason I can't complain is Christian McCaffrey season, man. Uh, it was some good times with him. Uh, I didn't have as much uh, you know Russ Wilson to the uh, Bucks and Rocket stacks that I wish I would have had. But uh, talk about the week nine review for us. Yeah, so so week for me, I uh, 
just went under break even. Um, but yeah, I mean, Chris McCaffrey, Jalen Sam, you know, with Jalen Samuels uh, value opening up there, it all of a sudden became uh, at least for me in cash, like a no brainer, you know, you had to jam, uh, you know, or you didn't even really have to work that hard to get McCaffrey in. And uh, when you have that opportunity, like there's just no reason uh, not to. And yeah, I think where I got killed, uh, likewise, just like didn't get enough on that Seattle Tampa Bay game. I kind of had, uh, I don't know, like a little bit of a paralysis by analysis where I was like, well, I don't know, you know, I'm generally kind of hesitant to play some of these Seahawks pass game guys uh, just because they can become so run dominant uh, and frequently just go to like Chris Carson. But I didn't want to play Chris Carson because Tampa Bay's run defense is so good. And I was just like, oh, you know, I can't figure out kind of what the uh, most likely game flow is going to be. So therefore, I just can't play any of the Seattle guys. And that was, you know, a huge mistake. Um, you know, I think I had to uh, – that, that was kind of the, the stand I took that I guess like – Seattle passing, you know, it was going to be like a game where Seattle just bashes Chris Carson against the Tampa Bay run defense. And that didn't happen. And, uh, you know, I got, got nowhere in tournaments and kind of like just got on the inside of some double up lines, uh, on the outside of others. And you know, it's mostly like break even week. Um, but yeah, not feeling, I guess, lucky to survive, not having any, uh, Russ or Lockett and, uh, yeah, definitely. I think uh, I want to try to kind of learn from what I think was that mistake that I made and just like, you know, and there's clearly just such a high game, like trying to just avoid it because you can't figure out like what the most probable game script is going to be is probably not the best move. Like, you know, I think uh, like we have New Orleans, Atlanta coming up this week. And uh, I, I don't know, I don't think at, uh, New Orleans is like quite as like, commit to the run if ahead as Seattle, but, um, you know, definitely don't want to be fading some of these high, high total games, especially on kind of a small slate, uh, just because, you know, I'm unable to clearly kind of understand or project what, what the you know game environment is going to be. So, um, yeah, hopefully going to learn from that, uh, moving forward. Yeah, we have a lot of situations that are really similar. I, I luckily got the Wilson and Lockett in the cash game lineup for Fandle, but didn't get it on uh, DraftKings. And yeah, like there's so many things I've looked at from this week's perspective while building lineups. I'm like, man, this feels really similar to last week. So uh, I'm excited to kind of talk about it with you and get your thoughts. And uh, maybe we can fix some of those mistakes we feel like we have made because there's definitely some that I feel like I made, at least on the uh, perspective of DraftKings for sure. Um but yeah, before we do that, let, let's talk about some a uh, little bit of review here. Uh, you know, like, like we said, the, we talked about the Seahawks stack and everything. Uh, one stack I think that, uh, you know, it was pretty good last week. Uh, one thing that I would look at is going Christian McCaffrey with, with the Carolina Panthers. I don't know if you saw how great that's been this season, but it's been absolutely phenomenal. Like, uh, that's one thing that I noticed that uh, in the week nine review, like, uh, listen, uh, you got to love what Christian McCaffrey and the Carolina defense is doing. Yeah, I mean, um, I think we'll probably get to it in the correlation section, but but that is like a really well correlated offense, and I think typically you don't see uh, like complementary receivers like DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel kind of correlate well, and and certainly not with like a workhorse running back like McCaffrey. Like the idea that they could kind of succeed in tandem seems unlikely, but you know the data is there to suggest that you know that's a, a pretty viable stack and like definitely one. Uh, you know, I want to be paying attention to uh, moving forward. I think they have a pretty, you know, interesting matchup against Green Bay this week. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was definitely better. I had both those receivers in cash and that kind of bailed me out from, uh, you know, not being on any of the Seattle guys, um, you know, spending down a receiver, but getting the production from those two guys. 
Yeah, that's definitely something we'll touch on more in the correlations part because it, it's it's something you have to worry about again this week. So uh, it's it's really interesting. What are some other things that really stuck out to you last week? Uh, you know, we had, we had Nick Nick Chubb uh, in the Browns. That offense, man, it really squandered. Uh, you know, the Dolphins got their first win. What are some things that stuck out to you? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Dolphins uh, getting there is interesting, and I, I don't know. I think um, there's reason to have some pessimism with that offense moving forward. It's uh, like Preston Williams is really looking like, uh, you know, one of their emerging talents and to see him go down, uh, you know, we would think uh, could open up some opportunities for some of the other guys, but uh, I, I just feel like the talent behind, um, you know, it, it, like in, in with Walton going, not that I think Walton was like a great running back or anything, but uh, you know, the dolphins are getting a little thin and um I don't know. I mean, the, the prices are quite low, so maybe that's somewhere we can go. Um, yeah, I mean, d- uh, interesting, just Detroit has really, uh, you know, Matt Patricia has kind of done an about face uh, following the injury to carry on Johnson. I think his, uh, you know, that offense going so pass heavy since uh, carry on went down has been pretty interesting. Um, and that's, you know, something I think we might want to try to ride uh, moving forward. And um, I mean, on the other side of that Seattle game, I mean, just, Tampa Bay kind of continuing those receivers to do what they do in terms of, uh, you know, one going off in a huge way and the other, uh, you know, putting up a real dud. And, um, you know, it's interesting, like Seattle was such a perfect kind of double stack offense with uh, Lockett and Metcalf just figuring to get, you know, so much of Russ's passes, but kind of sharing uh, them. And, you know, I thought like going into week nine, I I really had no interest in trying to double stack on the Tampa Bay side, just because uh, of the way those receivers have worked together. And um, I don't know, I think like moving forward, uh, you know, Tampa Bay, like I want to, you know, have, uh, I guess, have stake in a lot of the games that they're playing in, but from a, uh, stacking standpoint, it does feel like a team right now that we can only single stack uh, moving forward uh, unless we kind of see uh, these guys, Evans and Godwin, be able to, you know, work together and kind of share, uh, you know, share in kind of an equitable split, uh, you know, Tampa Bay's passing attack. Um, be interesting to see moving forward. But uh, yeah, again, we'll kind of get to that, I think, in the correlation section. So. Yeah, definitely seems like a spot, man, where it's just like play 50% Evans, play 50% Godwin, and then you're fine. Uh, it's that, That's crazy to think, but that's kind of what, uh, you know, people are just joking about. It's like just coming true every single week. Um, I had one other thing I wanted to get to here. Um, oh, it was uh, Kyler Murray, man. Like, Kyler's been really, really good, and he's someone we're going to obviously touch on this week. And to see what Kyler did against the Niners, like, uh, he was pretty solid in the whole Cliff Kingsbury experience. Uh, overall, I think it's worked me out. I think this is something that's it's uh, not like fetch, right? This is catching on here. So, uh, yeah, uh, what do you think of uh, Kyler and uh, Kingsbury here? Yeah, man. I mean, I, I was playing that showdown slate and kind of begrudgingly had Kyler in there, and I was just like, I mean, San Francisco—they're probably the second best pass defense behind New England, um, and, and also just I mean, shut down quarterbacks who are you know gaining fantasy points on scrambles. And I just thought it was, you know, a total dud spot for Kyler. And he really, uh, it wasn't the case. I mean, he he's looking legit out there. And I mean, a quarterback with the running upside that he offers, um, you know, is pretty awesome. And, and you know, a guy we want to be rostering, uh, you know, at the right price and in the right matchups. I mean, certainly got that matchup against Tampa Bay this week. Um, 
Yeah. And I mean, I don't, I mean, I, I think also like we could, or, well, I don't know if Kingsbury will do it, but I would love to see Kyler deployed even more as a ground threat. I mean, you look at how Baltimore uses Lamar Jackson. I mean, he's Lamar Jackson's a hundred yard threat every game and Kyler, you know, when given the opportunity, seems like he has, uh, you know, the skill set and potential to, uh, you know, just be like a massive, uh, value on the ground. Uh, and it doesn't seem like, uh, Arizona's giving him too many like runs by design and, and that might, you know, Kyler is, you know, a much smaller guy than Lamar Jackson, but uh, man, I mean, yeah, Kyler getting it done through the air and it feels like he hasn't even really reached his, uh, you know, reached his ceiling uh, on the ground. So yeah, very, very intrigued by him. And yeah, I mean, DraftKings uh, doesn't seem to, they kind of gave him that initial bump into the mid sixes and haven't really moved him since. Um, so yeah, I mean, Kyler, great this week and uh you know moving forward i'm not sure what kind of his matchups are down the line but uh yeah looking looking like it's working there and getting christian kirk back i mean yeah Kyler Kyler primed i think for a really uh strong end of 20 2019 all right anything else you want to touch upon with the week nine review you want to dive into some correlations here yeah we can uh we can talk kind of week nine review through a correlation uh lens yeah, so uh, I, I think one thing that, like, listen, if, if you haven't heard yet, uh, Russell Wilson, the Lockett, and Metcalf, like, that's just, like, the prime, prime thing to target, right? Because all – and the reason why is all the targets are condensed on those guys. It's, it's not too hard to predict, right? Uh, one, one reason why we don't like the Niners uh, is because who is Jimmy Garoppolo throwing to a touchdown to, right? Uh, or are they running the ball? Like, there's, there's so many different options. Uh, and obviously we get worried with Seattle that they can – run the ball a lot too. But the thing is, if they are trailing, then they are passing. And when they're passing, we know where the targets are going. So uh, here's the question I, I got to give you, Stuart. Like, um, what do we kind of do with, with Seattle going forward? Are they just guys who are plug and play? And how, how's that kind of work for you? Um, I mean, like we said at the top of the show, like Seattle does when they get a lead, like to run the ball a lot. So, I mean, I think they're always in play in tournaments because, uh, you know, the, it, when, you know, if, if kind of the unlikely game script of them going, you know, playing from behind or whatever does pan out, like, I mean, you're in such a great spot. Um, I think in cash, you know, I want to be pretty careful about the games uh, that I'm really trying to stack them in and making sure, uh, you know, we're not doing it in games where they can just be projected to jump out to an early lead because, you know, Brian Schottenheimer and Pete Carroll, given the opportunity, I think will, you know, run Chris Carson 20, 25 times, um, you know, as, you know, ineffective as, as that may be. Um, but I mean, if we can get Seattle in a game where we think they're going to pass, or like I said, in tournaments where even if it's an unlikely, uh, kind of game script, uh, you know, still just worth kind of taking that correlated dart throw. I mean, one thing I love about Seattle, um, like we know the Wilson to, let me just sort on Russ, uh, you know, we know the Wilson to Lockett correlation. We know the Russ to Metcalf correlation. I don't think that really surprises too many people. But what I think really makes them a great, uh, you know, team stack is that Metcalf and Lockett also correlate very strongly. I think um, you really don't – that's not like – you know, the receiver to quarterback correlation is pretty standard. Um, there are some weird instances where, like, receivers and quarterbacks negatively correlate. Uh this isn't one of them, but uh, you know, the fact that Lockett and Metcalf correlate so strongly is uh, I'm not going to say unique, but, but somewhat rare. Um, and I think when you can get uh, you know, a trio of guys that just have so much, so much positive correlation, 
like that's a stack we really want to target, especially with double stacks. Um, there's some other, you know, strong passing attacks with talented receivers that, um, you know, the quarter, the quarterback kind of positively correlates with his receivers, but our receivers negatively correlate such that, um, you know, not that we can't play that stack, but the, the idea of playing, you know, a double stack uh, of like, you know, Gal, uh, Godwin, Evans and Will and Winston is just like not that um, desirable uh, because, uh, you know, Godwin and Evans actually have this negative correlation that makes it somewhat unlikely that, you know, they pop off kind of in the same game. Um, so we can go there with a single stack, but I mean, the, the kind of positive receiver correlation that Seattle has, I mean, it's really great, right? So like looking here at, uh, you know, uh, so far in 2019, like Jameis's big games have kind of come with Evans and like Godwin has had big games, maybe independent of how Jameis performs. So, you know, I do kind of like Evans as, uh, you know, a true Jameis stacking option is where Godwin is maybe a more viable, like one-off play kind of to fill out a roster where you're not constructing around Jameis, but it becomes quite difficult to play you know, a Tampa Bay double stack where we're going Evans and Godwin because they just negatively correlate like so strongly where, you know, if one has a great game, the other is just unlikely to really succeed. Um, now, so here, here's a question. on that Is that just, is that randomness between both of those like different like receivers, like the Bucks ones negatively correlate and the Seattle one is positive. Court. Is that some randomness? And is that also the price tags on the Seattle receivers just being cheaper? Cause they were cheaper to start out the year. And obviously they're still trying to catch up to the Bucks price tags and the Bucks price tags have gotten, you know, have increased and increased and increased. But I think that plays some part into it a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, um, it's not, it, you know, it's not really scaled to price tag, but price is scaled to like kind of norm performance of these players. And uh, right, like you said, I mean, like Godwin and Evan and Evans are priced up because kind of their uh, you know mean performance over time is higher. So um, you know, it uh, it just means that like a it, it takes more, I guess, for both of them to have a good game, right? Like for both of them to have a great game relative yeah. to their norm. It just requires, you know, 50% more kind of fantasy points for them. Um, so, yeah, it's a good point. I think there's definitely a case to be made there. And, and uh, you know, we talked about uh, uh, Carolina receivers having kind of good positive correlation. That's also like, you know, not a top tier kind of uh, priced and just average performance uh, stack. Um, but I do also think it's, it's really like a function of as well – maybe the quarterback and perhaps just the coaching scheme, like Russ is a, uh, you know, is one is just like a really great quarterback. Who's not really locking on to any one receiver. He's kind of taking uh, the opportunities as they come. And, um, you know, I, I think he just does a better job of kind of sharing the ball around. Um, and, you know, also like, I think Lockett is kind of more of, I guess, a down, well, Metcalf and Lockett are downfield threats, but they also seem to work fairly well in kind of medium depth, uh, you know, targets as we're like Godwin and Evans are very kind of different, I think, in terms of their, you know, the routes that they run. And it's kind of, um, you know, sometimes you just see like teams are maybe eight. I don't know. I can't tell if it's really like Tampa Bay, uh, scheming to look downfield or look mid route, or if teams are scheming to allow 
Tampa Bay, you know, uh, catches underneath or, or, you know, giving up, uh, you know, more risk over the top. Not really sure there, but, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, I don't know, something, something I'm kind of keeping in, in my mind as I'm, you know, building some of these tournament lineups, figuring out, you know, how, how heavy do we want to stack and kind of, uh, you know, I think we want to try to, you know, stack around games, but do so smartly and not, um, you know, build stacks that are just, especially kind of at the receiver position, build double stacks that are just unlikely to really reach, uh, kind of seal, you know, where both those receivers are unlikely to reach their ceilings in the same game. Uh, so this Tampa Bay team is kind of one of those, uh, one of those instances where the data would suggest that, um, you know, it's unlikely for, for both these two guys to pop off in the same game. Yeah, I think that's a good segue. We can kind of jump into some week 10 correlations here. This is what we're going to do. We'll, we'll try and be as quick as possible. And then we're going to get to the picks, uh, you know, going uh, position by position. But uh, we're going to go game by game here on the Roto Grinders lineup page. I'm going to use. And uh, as we go through, we're just going to kind of pick out correlations. Like if you're, you know, kind of building through the lineup builder here, like correlations that just stick out to you that you definitely would want to look to play. So uh, let's kind of go through and do that now. And first up, we got the, the spot we're talking about, the, the Bucks and Cardinals. And this is one that might take some time to talk about, but uh I think my initial read first seeing this was, okay, I'm going to stack Kyler, I'm going to stack Christian Kirk, and I'm going to run it back with Evans and Godwin. That's my first lean that I saw with building lineups. How about you, sir? Yeah, I'm not that familiar with how um, Kyler has been correlating with receivers. I'll pull it up right now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, Tampa Bay single stacking one of those receivers is is perfectly viable. Um, and then stacking some uh, – you know, uh, w- w- sorry, single stacking with Jameis on the Tampa Bay side, perfectly viable. As discussed, I'm not super interested in double stacking Tampa Bay. Um, and then alternatively, like stacking Kyler uh, with at least one of his receivers and possibly two. So like Fitz is a guy who Kyler has been really, um, you know, correlating strongly with so far in 2019. Uh, interesting that like Kirk is a guy whose value seems really strong. Um, I'm surprised that him and Kyler have such a negative correlation. Uh, you do typically, or not typically, but you kind of see that sometimes with uh, like Kirk's, uh, you know, just catches balls so close to the line of scrimmage, you know, it's good for like three or four bubble screens a game. And those, these are these, you know, low A dot receivers, Tyler Boyd, Colt Beasley, um, you know, guys who don't, we typically don't see like strong correlation with their quarterbacks. Um so, you know, I don't know. I think if I were to look on the Kyler side, probably going Fitz, uh, Fitz Kyler, uh, these other guys I'm kind of ignoring. They're just, I mean, they have high correlation, but that's kind of this thing, like you said, where their price is just so low that, um, you know, just like a marginally, marginally better Demir Bird game with a, you know, a good Kyler game is going to give them huge correlation. So, um, yeah, probably looking fits. Uh, I'd be interested also to see like how David Johnson, uh, correlates, uh, with Kyler. Uh, you know, I do think he, uh, you know, Cliff Kingsbury seems to want to get David Johnson involved kind of in the passing game, running some, some, uh, running some so plays they're, out. They're going to, they're going to they're gonna run, they're going to run Johnson and Drake this week, and they're going to get both involved. So it sounds like you're going to get that David Johnson in the slot. And it's also worth noting Christian Kirk played more outside receiver last week than he has all season. So I think you're going to see fits in the slot. You're going to see some David Johnson in the slot and you're going to see fits on the outside more, which might get you some deeper a dot targets. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. Well, I, I like that, uh, that double stack. I mean, David Johnson correlating really nicely with Kyler 
Fits correlating nicely with Kyler. Not sure what the fits David Johnson is, but um, you know, I, I think that that double stack and running it back with, uh, you know, maybe Godwin makes a lot of sense. Like I kind of like Godwin as a run back option because he doesn't have super strong correlation with Jameis. So like you could catch a good Godwin game on a bad Jameis game. Uh, Evans has that really strong. Um, yeah. So yeah, David and uh, Larry with, you know, 50% correlation, like that's pretty strong. Um, so yeah, I, I like that, you know, build of Kyler DJ fits Godwin or, you know, using the positively correlated receiver on Tampa Bay side going Evans, um, Winston, and then trying to run it back with, you know, Fitz or DJ or, you know, Christian Kirk, maybe Christian Kirk, since he's got that negative uh, Kyler correlation, right? You can have like a good Christian Kirk game, but not a great Kyler game. So you're getting leverage on, you know, those people who are playing Kyler. All right. That's some good stuff there, Stuart. Let's move on to the next game. We got Chiefs. We got Titans. And this is one where I'm just like, okay, I think we can mix and match some. We can maybe do a Tannehill, run it back with a Kelsey and have Tannehill with one of the receivers. But um, it is a 48 and a half total. So I don't think we should ignore it completely. Yeah. Um, you know, it's certainly uh, that you kind of like want to really do a full game stack, like a team like Kansas City, right? Great stack team, Tennessee. You know, I have kind of my doubts about and like Derrick Henry's a guy who you know I'm, I'm inclined to play against like you know bad run defenses um I'm sorry uh Kelsey uh bad run defenses where we can project Tennessee to stay in the game but I don't like Tennessee or Kansas City is a good matchup in terms of what they allow you know like per touch but I, I just think Tennessee is gonna be forced to pass pretty early so it's a tough game to stack on the Tennessee side uh, but we could kind of go with some like mini Kansas City stacks. Um, they're tough for the stack because like they're one that you know as we're Seattle or Tampa Bay or these teams where we like know kind of where uh, you know the the aerial production is going to go. Like Kansas City, it's tough to you know clearly project where that is going to go. Um, and like I don't know, Kelsey Hill, <clears throat> they have been together for a long time, so we could even go back to like <clears throat> 2018. Um, I think, you know, historically I've had like modest negative correlation. So it's like not a stack where I'm like, oh, you know, I definitely want to be pairing these guys up together, but it's not like so negative where I'm just like, you can't play Kelsey and Hill. And um, yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting, you know, stack where Mahomes coming back, I could see, you know, Kelsey hasn't been super great so far this year, um, but you know, uh, he's like, we know, you know, with Mahomes in, like he, he's been a very viable play in the past and I'm not really convinced that he's like you know on some catastrophic age curve like I think we could go back uh to Kelsey Mahomes uh maybe even running like Kelsey uh Tyreek Mahomes um you know coming back I, th I think kind of that's probably the spot I would be looking um I think there are games I'd rather uh stack than this game but um yeah I mean the point totals there I think uh they're implied at up around like 27 points um just pretty solid. So, um, you know, somewhere I think you could look, I, I probably will be looking elsewhere, but, um, you know, I don't think it's, uh, out of play by any means. Yeah. And I know a game you're not going to be looking, you're not looking bills Browns. I mean, maybe you, you do <laughs> chub with the Browns D and that's it call it a day. <clears throat> uh, I mean, I, not really. Like, I, I mean, the bills D is, is, yeah, I don't really want any part it's of this a game. Catch me up game. We can yeah. we can move on. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. It's okay. So don't don't waste your money burning on that. Here's yeah. one that I feel like kind of is a catch me up too. It's like 
do you just do Ravens Bengals? Do you just do Lamar Jackson and the Ravens D and that's it? I don't know. Uh, maybe some Marquise Brown. I, I don't like this too much, but what do you think? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, Lamar, Lamar is a really great guy that we could play naked. Um, and, um, you know, so, so I'm interested in maybe trying to deploy more and kind of Lamar and kind of some naked, uh, you know, games and, and maybe try to get like some weird, uh, you know, like we talked about Carol, I like, I kind of was thinking this morning of the idea of like, I really do like those Carolina skill players, but don't love um, Kyle Allen. So I wonder if like a Carolina skill player stack, um, but then like Lamar naked could be in play uh, just kind of a thought I was tossing around this morning, but um, yeah, I mean, Marquise and Lamar correlate really strongly. Um, I think it's worth, um, you know, if you're running a lot of lineups, putting some Lamar Marquise in there. Um, you know, Marquise Brown is a guy who isn't getting a ton of targets or on the field, you know, for every uh, even Baltimore play or even kind of a, you know, an overwhelming majority. But, uh, you know, we know that he's got this massive big play upside and we know that Cincinnati uh, is prone to give up um, a ton of plays, uh, you know, downfield. So, so I, I think it's definitely worth, um, some, some looks, but, uh, you know, we, we would need, and probably if we are going like Marquise Lamar, we'd want to run it back with someone on the Cincinnati side, just because if that, if, you know, that game is going to go where Lamar is still passing the ball downfield to Marquise Brown, Cincinnati is going to find a way, you know, going to need to find a way to keep pace some way, somehow. Um, and you you probably go Tyler Boyd, just run it back with him. There's no <clears> AJ Green and then just call it a day. Don't, don't get too cute. Maybe Tate cause Tate suits some red zone targets. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I like the Boyd call. Um, I'm wondering, I'd be interested. God, Mark Ingram is just such a trap. Um, yeah. Okay. No correlation there. Uh, I, you know, I've in the past, I think on the show, even I've plugged like a Lamar Ingram stack, but I, I, I think that was probably a dumb plug. And uh, you know, I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not too interested in stacking this game, but Lamar naked um, I think is a really, really interesting play. All right, let's go to Jets Giants. And listen, like, I thought this total would be higher. It's only 44 and a half. Tell me what you want to do here, Stuart, because I'm not loving it. Yeah, from a stacking standpoint, not really. Um, I think there's some intriguing kind of one off plays, uh, like, particularly Rhett Ellison, just as a, uh, you know, I guess salary saver to help you get to Christian McCaffrey this week. Uh, you're not, but- you're not playing Jones and Rhett Ellison. I know. I, come on, Stuart. No way. <laughs> I'm not playing Jones. Oh, oh, I'm so, oh, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. Def, like that's the thing I, from a stacking and correlation standpoint, this is a game I really want none of. Um, I mean, God, Robbie Anderson is so tempting, but they just haven't been like looking his way that much. And uh, I don't know. Darnold just seems very rattled and uh, has been just much more. And, and Adam Gase as well. Kind of just like that offense is not conducive to, you know, Robbie Anderson's skill set, and I think makes it tough to stack them. Uh, man, I'd love to see like Robbie Anderson with like Josh Allen. Like that would be, you know, an interesting kind of, you know, opportunity, but it's no point wasting kind of airtime talking about these hypotheticals. Yeah, not really a game I'm interested in from a stacking standpoint. Maybe some interesting one off plays, but. Yeah, definitely feels better for one-offs in DFS. Let's go to the one that's going to matter, uh, Atlanta and the Saints. Uh, I think this one's awesome. Uh, yeah, you, you said it best. Uh, so, yeah, Matt Ryan, is, I think, is a guy uh, that could be an interesting guy that you run back at quarterback that no one's going to play. Obviously, the Saints side. I mean, it's a 32.5 total. We're going to love the Breeze, the Camara, to 
you know, Michael Thomas, that's great. And then also with no Sanu there now, the targets are more condensed with, with Julio, Ridley, Hooper. I'll talk about this game. Yeah. Um, you know, Atlanta will be playing for, you know, we would assume is going to be playing from behind. And, um, you know, I think uh, for me, the guy like I'm most interested in on the Atlanta side is Calvin Ridley. Uh, I mean, when he gets kind of the opportunities, like he's so good. Um, and I think with most new gone that like for the past, you know, year and a half, I think that's been kind of the rub against Ridley is, uh, you know, there, there's most new creeping and kind of stealing, probably, you know, two targets or so from Ridley a game. Uh, but I mean, the guy's upside is, is massive. I mean, just at this point, we've seen enough data where like, I, I'm fully in that, you know, Matt Ryan's really looking for Ridley in the red zone or, you know, kind of as his touchdown score. Um, so yeah, I love Ridley. Um, I don't know. We've kind of forgotten about Austin Hooper, but he, uh, he's been a guy early on in the season. Matt Ryan was looking to a lot. I, you know, I'm intrigued by him from a kind of contrarian Atlanta standpoint. I think a lot of people will be looking to probably stack the New Orleans side and like run it back with Julio or Ridley. Uh, so running it back with a guy like, or even like uh, Justin Gage, kind of as like a you know sneaky cheap uh, run back option. But uh, you know, I do wonder if people are going to overlook uh, Austin Hooper as a you know a kind of piece of that Atlanta passing attack that. Um, you know, could be, could be a, a viable, you know, way of bringing it back. Um, but yeah, Ridley, I think, uh, is the guy I'm most interested in, um, from like a, uh, you know, independent of kind of ownership and, you know, being contrarian, uh, for sure. Yep. Agree with you on that. You can stack this one every which way. It's definitely the game to look at and, uh, look for the, like you just kind of mentioned, uh, the Ridley to Ryan, that's like something that could be really interesting. Low owned, uh, looking for the low owned stacks, uh, within the game is a great idea. Let's go on to lions and bears. And, uh, I think there's, well, only- I, can we go back and, I mean, I, I do want to yeah. talk a little bit about the new Orleans, like is the side that I want to be stacking. Um, cause they, they're one of these teams that just has, you know, similar to Seattle last week, like, uh, you know, pieces that correlate very well with Drew Brees and correlate well with each other. And I think there's a number of different ways you can go with it. Um, you know, the kind of the, the correlation mixes that I'm looking at are Brees to his receivers, again, uh, and Thomas and, um, and, you know, Kamara, even though he's a running back is like correlated very well with uh, Drew Brees and like Kamara to Thomas, uh, you know, at point three correlation is pretty good. Uh, you know, again, Kamara seems to be, fairly uncorrelated, but I mean, I think there's a number of different ways you can go with this. And I, I don't, I mean, I guess the most popular will be probably breeze to Thomas or breeze, probably breeze to Thomas. But I mean, I think, uh, you know, an unconventional kind of quarterback running back receiver stack here, uh, works perfectly well. Um, you know, and I think, uh, you could go double receiver with again, um, you know, again, Thomas, like, I mean, uh, we can kind of move on, but I, I did want to call out. I mean, no, I yeah, most, you're, you're That's right. Fun. I think it's the obvious one. But the one where I have, I will mention, Murray, does he slide into the Ingram role more so now? We lose so, as much Kamara mm-hmm. as we've been getting. It, it's more of a question to ask. We don't know the answer. For sure. Um, you know, kind of unclear. I, I do wonder, um, I'm not sure if our app will match these two, but like Ingram and Kamara did have uh, games last year. Yeah, it's not going to work with those two guys. Um, Ingram's no longer on the Saints, but um, – you know, Ingram, you know, I, I do remember uh, Ingram and Kamara had some pretty great, uh, you know, games where they went off together. I think uh, an interesting stack would be like uh, uh, Michael Thomas uh, would be, uh, 
you know, uh, a uh, Latavius Camara stack. I, I think it's somewhat unlikely, but um, be an interesting way of going there. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Camara succeeded though with um, you know with Ingram there last year. Uh, you know, I definitely think we'll see Murray's workload increase uh, to the extent that it does. I, can, I think it's really like the you know is is the uh, you know question of interest, and I don't know that I have the most insight to answer that, uh, at this juncture, but, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, definitely something to kind of probably the key to figuring out what to do with new Orleans is, is understanding how, um, how Murray, how Murray's workload kind of factors in with these other two or some of these other saints players. Yep. We got four games left here. We got the lions. We got the bears, uh, you know, 41 and a half total. This is when I think you can really, if you wanted to cross off, but I think you can do the Montgomery to the bears, the correlation wouldn't hate that. And I think you can do Montgomery and then run it back with like a Galladay or Marvin Jones. Um, it's just tough. The bears D what do you want to do there with the passing game? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think like, yeah, you could go Montgomery bears D, um, I think I would be more interested in trying to do Montgomery uh, with a Detroit uh, receiving receiving stack. Um, you know, trying to maybe go Stafford and one of his receivers, uh, Galladay or Jones, um, and then running back Montgomery. It's just a uh, 41 and a half total, man. Like I, I, I thought I was going to do it last week. Like I remember looking at the bears and Eagles last week and I said, okay, that Trubisky down Robinson could work, right? The Eagles secondary is so bad. And then I just was like, this total went from 45 to 41. What am I doing? So uh, I don't know. I just, the total is so low for me. Yeah, no, I, I, I I'm kind of with you there. I, I didn't see it was quite that low, but uh, yeah, it doesn't make it super appealing. And uh I don't know. Chicago's pass defense is quite good. I think the way to get to Chicago is, uh, is, is on the ground and with no carry on, like, you know, you have some concerns about Detroit's, uh, you know, ability to get there. Um, if you are <clears throat> stacking, uh, one interesting kind of where correlation, uh, reversed last week is, um, historically we have, uh, you know, seen Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay strongly negative correlate and, you know, similar to like Godwin and Ed Evans, you know, I don't love double stacking Galladay and Jones uh, with Stafford, but last week we saw both of them hit big games. So kind of an interesting note, just like, you know, these are trends, but they're not, uh, you know, rules. And, you know, sometimes you do see negatively correlated players kind of hit those games. But yeah, I mean, good call with, with 41 does uh, seem like not the most appealing game. It looks like it's going to be windy too, uh, cold and windy, which isn't, uh, yeah, it's you know, not great. ideal. Yeah, not ideal. So maybe a game to stay away from. Let's go from one unappealing game to another. We got Dolphins Colts, where I think it's just really simple. I think you play a Mac and the and the and the Colts D, or you run like a Mac with a Parker or a Mac with a Gazeki for a cheap tight end, and that's it. I, I don't know what else to really do. Yeah, um, you know, I was talking with you the other day about you know Colts guys and how they they correlate nicely, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, with uh, I don't even know what the spread is. Probably double digits at this point. Uh, you know, it's hard to envision the Colts going to the passing game uh, that heavily. I think like a super super contrarian stack. I mean, just take like probably like you know some like five percent kind of game environment uh, would be like running a uh, I don't know a Miami receiver uh, or like tight end Gasicki, uh, but 
I don't know. Yeah. And then like, I do think it's, I mean, uh, you know, historically Brissett and we can, you know, replace, I guess, Hoyer with Brissett from a correlation standpoint, uh, you know, he's like correlated nicely with like Ebron and Ebron and Pascal have kind of worked well together. No T Y Hilton, like there's makings for kind of some interesting, uh, contrarian pieces there. But I mean, I think ultimately this game is just going to be sunk by, you know, Miami's inability to make this competitive. And, uh, you know, yeah, Marlon Mack, Colts D is, uh, you know, an interesting, uh, you know, a good way you could kind of get that correlation in there and then go like with a primary receiving, uh, stack with, uh, you know, some of the other games that are on slate, but yeah, we can, we can skip over this game. It's not, not too much here. Yeah. Let's go to Packers Panthers. Uh, you know, talk to the people about the, the Panthers correlation, how you can work that with McCaffrey Moore, and Samuel. And, uh, but my favorite correlation in this game, it's going McCaffrey to Devonte Adams doing that like single stack there. I think that's my favorite thing. It's expensive, but, uh, man, I think it's a really good one. This week. Yeah. Um, this was the, the, the Rogers Adams was what I was on last week. And, uh, same. You know, cor- <laughs> like correlation is good when it hits, but the the kind of, you know, the other edge of that sword is that like when both players floor out, they floor out together. And you saw that last week with, uh, you know, Rodgers and Adams where, you know, they both hit floor games and like you're okay with that in tournaments because, you know, there's no point in being, you know, m- you know, middle of the pack with an uncorrelated stack, you know, you'd rather have that correlation and, you know, coin flip, they hit, uh, you know, and kind of push you towards the top of the pool or a coin flip, they fail and, you know, you finish last place and like, that's okay in tournaments. Um, so yeah, I mean the, the green Bay, uh, you know, Rogers to Adams have correlated very strongly in the past. Um, so it's kind of an interesting kind of primary single stack I'm interested in going with and then running back, um, McCaffrey, uh, you know, totally with you there. Uh, that that seems like a fairly probable game script and one that could really benefit like both sides of the ball. You know, I, I think uh, we talked we've talked about a bit already the positive correlation between Moore and Curtis Samuel. Uh, pretty interesting. I mean, uh, you know, you don't see that too often with receivers, but we have it here. So, um, you know, I think there's yeah, there's a number of different ways you could go with this game. Like you said, you know, you could do Rogers, Adams, McCaffrey. Uh, you could kind of. Uh, you know, take a stand maybe and say like just McCaffrey isn't a, it's not like a stand I feel super great about uh, and probably won't be taking in cash. But in tournaments, you know, you could build some lineups around this idea that McCaffrey doesn't find the end zone. You know, he gets vultured by some of these guys. I mean, both Moore and Samuel, you know, do get, you know, uh, it seems like one to two rushes a game. So maybe they like vulture a rushing touchdown from McCaffrey. Um, so, you know, you could take like this contrarian build of fading McCaffrey, not, not like full fade, but just in these lineups, uh, some lineups where you're avoiding McCaffrey going Samuel Moore, um, and maybe going like Aaron Jones on the other side. Like, I, you know, <clears throat> Aaron Jones price is up and, you know, it sucks that, uh, from a fantasy standpoint, that like Jamal Williams is cutting so much into his workload, but I mean, so far this year, Carolina has been a team that's been really bad against running backs on the ground. Uh, you know, so I think that there's a number of different pieces here that intrigue me. Um, I think kind of, like you said, Rogers, Adams, McCaffrey is probably like the core, uh, you know, uh, a stack that you want to build around. But there's a number of like alternative, uh, you know, builds you could go with where you, uh, you know, neglect McCaffrey in favor of Samuel Moore. Uh, you know, you 
don't go Green Bay passing, but go Aaron Jones or even Jamal Williams running. A uh, number of different ways you can go with this one. But, yeah, definitely like uh, this game and kind of the, the pieces that are that are in it. Yeah, let's go to the last one. It's a 43.5 total. It's Ram Steelers. And uh, my initial look on it was, you know, makes more sense on FanDuel to maybe do like a Samuels and a Cup stack because Samuels is really cheap over there. Feels a little pricier on DK, but I don't know. I don't know what to exactly do with this game. I mean, Cooper Cup's been amazing, and I think he could be uh, one guy you definitely want to incorporate in your stacks because the Steelers get killed in the slot. Yeah. Um, I haven't looked super closely at this game from a stack standpoint. Um, I think historically, like, golf has pretty bad home road splits. Um, but he's horrible on the road. I mean, it's and it's in Pittsburgh. Uh, it's, it's it's a weird game. I don't even know what we want to do with it. Forty three and a half total might say it all for me. I know. I'm probably not interested in it from a stacking standpoint. Um, I don't know. The Cooks injury is kind of a non factor for me. Like he hasn't been that involved in the offense so far this year. So I'm not like taking the approach like, oh, no, Brandon Cooks. Like you know, just give me the the Woods uh, Cup golf stack and just like that's where it's all going to go. Cause in Pittsburgh D seems legit. Um, Jalen Samuels, I'm interested in, in cash or like as a one-off play, but uh, you know, he, he gets all a lot of his value from these plays that don't really figure to benefit like Mason Rudolph in any way. And I also just don't want to play Mason Rudolph. Uh, if he, yeah, uh, don't, don't play Mason Rudolph. Yeah, that's or, a bad idea. Yeah. So yeah, I don't, I just, uh, you know, they have these, you know, that Los Angeles has intriguing pieces, but yeah, I, I'm not probably not going to be going this game from a stacking standpoint, maybe looking yeah. to like cup or Samuels is kind of a one-off like filler piece and other lineups, but yeah, probably not going to try to make any correlated plays here. All righty. Uh, we're going to go, we're going to talk about like our picks for the week, who we like at each position, kind of go through that a little bit. Uh, but before we do that, I did want to talk about, we got college basketball starting up over here on Roto Grinders. Uh, it starts tonight. We got promos over here for the season starting up. Uh, it's $299 for the season for uh, the March Madness package, or you can try $6.99 a day or $69.99 a month. This is provided by Varnkiss. He's absolutely awesome at college basketball i've tried this product out it's a great product so check it out if you want to get on some college but college basketball dfs action uh let's dive in now let's talk about the pick Stewart, and uh, we'll start with quarterback and i guess it's like man like how do we pass lamar jackson uh this week it's just it's too tough not to against cincinnati uh the quarterbacks i'm looking at i, I see lamar as a top play i see kyler and winston are two guys to consider too and Tannehill might be the cheaper option uh, also mix in maybe Drew Brees there, but those are kind of the five-ish quarterbacks I'm really looking at in my player pool. How about you? Yeah, um, I think like the question. Yeah, I love love those guys. Uh, you know, Lamar just in such a smash spot, and his ability to produce with his legs, you know, makes me less concerned about you know some sort of blowout risk. Uh, Jameis and Kyler. I mean, I think just both. I think that's a great environment for both uh, quarterbacks. What I think is going to be tough with quarterback this week is just how much can you allocate towards quarterback? Like, I think I want to go McCaffrey, you know, in cash, like I think I want to go McCaffrey again. Um, it, it's know, a my, huge problem, Stuart, like massive. Like I, I'm having yeah. trouble getting up to the top quarterback. I know exactly what you're talking about. Like the guys I'm prioritizing around are McCaffrey, Kamara and Thomas right now. I got to think more about Kamara because you know, the, the Murray thing is interesting. The little Tavius thing is interesting. Yeah. And I mean, like figuring out how much money you have to spend at quarterback is tough. Like I would love to get to Lamar Jackson, uh, but it just means that you're going to, you know, have to play like 
just bottom of the barrel receivers, um, or you might have to come off like Camara or, or Thomas, which you know I don't want to do, or, or or you might have to come off McCaffrey. So um, I don't know. I think I'm probably just gonna still like I just don't. There's not like any cheap options that are really presenting themselves. Like Tannehill is maybe the cheap guy that I would look at, but um, feels like a bit of an uncomfortable play. And uh, yeah, I might I might try to kind of jam in. I, I think we, we talked about him to a pretty lengthy extent. Uh, Kyler does feel like at 6'5", like he's fairly, you know, reachable without having to, you know, just go like sub four receivers after Thomas. Um, so he's, you know, a guy that I think fits into the build quite nicely uh man i mean lamar's lamar's great at seven three um you know any other week i wouldn't you know i'd I'd probably make that effort to get up to him but it's gonna have you know if if you do go mccaffrey camara thomas and go to lamar i mean you're gonna have to be making some serious sacrifices elsewhere so um, we need injuries Stuart. we need we need some uh we're not we're not cheering for him but we need like someone to be like you know this is not my week let's open up a cheap receiver uh we we need things to open up here so hopefully the friday injury report really comes through for us and we want to make that all work yeah all right, let, let's move on to running backs now. And uh, listen, McCaffrey, I think he's a guy you plug in. You don't don't even you know, don't mess with it. Uh, play him like it's it's dumb not to. His floor is just so freaking good. Uh, I, I get it in tournaments, right? The, the price is expensive, but you can find uh, running backs to like. And there's definitely some to like. Uh, it's perfectly fine. I think the real debate then at the top is to Barkley or to Kamara. And the more and more I keep thinking about it, I'm thinking it's Barkley. And the reason why I keep thinking it's Barkley is there's no Evan Ingram. Daniel Jones has been horrible with the ball, right? He is turning the ball over left and right. And I think this is going to be something they're really talking about a lot at practice. And they're playing the Jets, right? This is the this is like the Super Bowl for both these teams. Who's going to be on the, uh, you know, the headlines in New York? Uh, you want to be on the back page where it says, uh, you know, Giants win. And I think they're going to really ride Barkley out. I think this is going to be one of those games where they just feed the beast. Like, I think you're going to see so many touches for him. And that's my one worry with Kamara is the touches. The Saints are thinking big picture. They're thinking Super Bowl, man. They're not thinking about, uh, you know, this game against Atlanta, who's a terrible team. They know that they can just go up and just run the ball with Tavius Murray. So uh, what do you think of my sales pitch on Barkley over Camara? Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's very compelling. I think the, the floor on Camara is somewhat worrisome for the reasons you said. I mean, I, I get the sense that the injury isn't the issue with Camara. Um, he seems to be like, you know, all systems go, but yeah, just new Orleans being smart about it. And Latavius has been, I mean, awesome. And Atlanta has been atrocious. So, I mean, if you're a smart coach, like Sean Payton is like, why, you know, why not kind of go to that equitable split uh, when they had Ingram last year, like that was, um, you know, the approach they took. And I think they have, you know, a guy who comps really well to, to Ingram and, you know, can, and like, what's tough, like if Latavius wasn't effective out of the backfield catching passes, I think I'd feel more comfortable with Kamara. But the fact that Latavius like can also like Latavius can do just about everything that Kamara can do, maybe not quite as well, but like, there's no, like, you know, Latavius can be used in kind of pass catching roles. And, you know, it's not like, New Orleans has to go with Camara, you know, every third down or, you know, in the two minute drill, like they can use Latavius for that. Um, yeah. I mean, something I'm going to have to continue to think about. And uh, I don't know that, uh, you know, we're going to have a super clear picture until maybe Sunday morning. Uh, yeah. yeah. You, know, you know who else is there too? Taysom Hill, man. He's always down to try and steal some <laughs> touchdown equity. 
Yeah, I mean, like, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I hope not. Uh, like. Yeah, they, they are projected to score 32 points, keep in mind. And the salary does matter, but it's this is like the conversation you're having, trying to figure out if the risk is worth the price difference. Yeah. Um, and I mean, get it, I get it. Kamara is super talented. I love the kid, but I, it's I, tough. I will say, I mean, at 8-8, at eight, eight, like the – uh, you know, the price hike on, or, you know, the, the salary up from Kamara to Barkley, like, isn't insignificant. Like I'm having a hard time constructing around Thomas McCaffrey, uh, Kamara and finding like, not, you know, a bottom of the barrel quarterback. Like if you go Saquon over Kamara, like even more so, I mean, uh, you really have to squeeze, um, one guy we haven't talked about. I mean, Jalen Samuels price is up, but like what, I mean, it, I think I saw like uh, even now like uh, Benny Snell is questionable or is he out or something like I mean Pittsburgh I mean their running backs are totally decimated and yeah Snell's out Edmonds we uh, Edmonds is doubtful that's the thing if there's no Edmonds uh, actually no that's Chase I'm sorry uh, Trey Edmonds I'm looking for let me see if I can find him he is questionable so like if okay. if Trey Edmonds isn't there that's me pretty big, right? Because against Indy, he had 12 rushing attempts. I mean, those are 12 attempts that go right to Samuel. And, and also keep in mind, I know the price hike is on, on drafting Sandal. You get uh, Samuel at six, two, which is similar to the drafting price. So it makes him just like a plug and play over there. on Pitt. Yeah. I mean, you know, and the thing about Samuel is also is like, I don't even, you don't even like need his rushing. Like the rushing is nice, but you're getting Jalen Samuels because he's going to get, you know, 10 targets a game. And I think like he just fits perfectly with Mason Rudolph. Who's like, not a guy who's taking shots downfield, like is also holding the ball way too long. I mean, it's just like a match made in heaven. And uh, yeah, the price hike is uh, doesn't make it quite as easy as playing him last week at four, but uh, I, I don't think it's quite enough given, uh, especially, I mean, obviously like DraftKings can't know the injuries coming out, but uh, you know, if, if it's just like Jalen Samuels and some practice squad running back, like, uh, you know, I, I, I like him a lot. Um, I think he would be kind of an interesting play. Um, coming down from either of those eight guys. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think coming down from them to hit to Samuels isn't a bad idea. And I heard Levitan say this on the Mayo show. I think I, he said it best. Uh, we, we don't want to have to predict game scripts, right? And we don't have to present, predict the game script with Samuels. He's going to get the catches, the rushes. It doesn't matter, right? He's just going to yeah. get that opportunity, which is, which is phenomenal there. Uh, let's go to another running back who we do have to guess the game script. And it's not hard to guess it this week. It's Marlon Mack. Uh, against Miami. One thing I think I heard last week that I thought was really interesting was uh, they asked Eric Ebron uh, kind of before the game. They said, uh, you know, Ebron, uh, you, you excited? You know, no, no Hilton, they're going to get some more targets. Like, uh, how do you feel about that? And he said, to be honest, I don't think I'm getting more targets. I think, uh, you know, I think number 25 is going to be touching the ball more. So he pretty much told them what the, what was going to go down. And he got 21, uh, you know, rushing attempts. And I expect against Miami, they're just going to feed Marlon Mack. I think he's an amazing tournament play. Uh, you just worry about the PPR opportunity for him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, tournaments uh, looking awesome. I mean, he does have 100 yards and, and two, maybe even three rushing touchdowns in him against Miami um, from like a, you know, purely like kind of median, uh, uh, you know, median per dollar uh, standpoint in cash. Like the price is pretty high on him. Like they really, uh, you know, price him up aggressively against Miami, um, <clears throat> which makes him, not quite like, in my opinion, a slam dunk uh, for cash, but for tournaments. Yeah, I mean, and <clears throat> I, I love that uh, that, that uh, Colts D Marlon Max stack is uh, like a really kind of subtle way to get some nice correlation, but not like have to 
you know, fully anchor to that game. You know, you can just get that nice, like subtle piece of correlation and then build your primary stack around, uh, you know, some other, you know, more pass centric, uh, game. So yeah, I love Marlon Mack in tournaments. Uh, and I think he's definitely viable in cash. Um, he's just kind of <clears throat> at a weird, like sandwiched price where he's like between Saquon and Kamara, uh, but also more than like Jalen Samuels or even like a David Montgomery. Um, but yeah, definitely, uh, think Marlon Mack's a guy to, uh, be thinking about in cash, probably a little more so in tournaments for sure. Yep, for sure. Uh, let's see. Any other running backs you want to discuss? I mean, Le'Veon Bell in this mid-tier is sort of kind of interesting. Don't hate him. Um, the cheapies that I liked uh, were Singletary. I thought he was interesting against the Browns at 5Ks. We get more snaps. And the other guy was, and hold your nose, It's and it's because we're trying to make stuff work. It's Ronald Jones. Uh, you know, it, they have a massive total, right? Uh, getting enough opportunity. He got 18 carries last week. The week before, he got 11. Uh, you know, 18, though, it's trending upward. And he's been, you know, okay, and he's cheap enough. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys that, like, look, we've talked about, uh, you know, if we want to get some of these premier skill players and also not, you know, pay down a quarterback, you know, we're going to have to find some running backs uh, – that are cheap and uh, Ronald Jones seems like a viable candidate for sure. Uh, seems to be kind of the preferred running back at this point for Tampa Bay and uh, you know, Arizona, not a, not a great defense. I think more intriguing is just their pace, which has been down a little bit. Uh, I think has been trending down uh, over the course of the season, but yeah, four, three, I mean, he doesn't have to do that much to get there. Uh, yeah. Singletary seems to just be in full command of the Buffalo backfield, which is uh you know, is good. And I think he is effective kind of pat catching the ball out of the backfield, which isn't really uh, Josh Allen's MO, but still, you know, if he can kind of get, you know, three, three receptions on top of, uh, you know, any sort of ground equity you can provide, like that's, a, you know, a good way to go at five, uh, you know, can help you kind of jam in some of those uh, expensive guys. <clears throat> um, and Ty Johnson's like a guy who I wish he just had, a more stable kind of hold on Detroit's uh, running back shares. Um, but Chicago is a good defense against the pass, but is pretty attackable uh, or more attackable on the ground uh, and also seeding a decent amount of uh, targets to running backs. Um, at 4-1, I don't know, it feels like Ty Johnson's floor is pretty low, um, but uh you know, median, median projection, uh, could see him, you know, <clears throat> not so much like winning, you know, just like comfortably putting you at the top of a double up or, you know, just guaranteeing you a head to head win. But, uh, if he helps you get to some of those more expensive guys, uh, I think could be a viable play down there, uh, at four one. All righty. Uh, let's move on to the receiver position. And uh, I guess talk about Michael Thomas. I was having trouble getting him in this week, but uh, he's an amazing play. He's probably the best receiver option right below Evans and Godwin. Even Cup's an amazing play. There's so many good uh, receivers to pay up for this week. Yeah, it's um, – yeah, there's some really intriguing receivers. It just – it's uh, – you know, they're all super exp- – they're, they're all kind of at the top of the price, uh, the price scale, which I think is going to uh, – you know, make it a position where I, I'm wanting to get to some of these expensive guys in tournaments and probably, uh, you know, not paying up so much at running back. Uh, but in cash, feels like you can only make one of those top tier receivers work. Um, I <clears throat> am preferential to Thomas over Evans or Godwin uh, in cash games just because his floor uh, 
is so much higher than both of those guys. Like, uh, you know, I love the Tampa Bay guys for tournament plays. And like you said, I mean, kind of going 50, 50, 50%, uh, Evans, 50% Godwin, like seems like a pretty foolproof approach. Um, but in terms of cash, I mean, Michael Thomas's target floor is like 10, 10 targets, you know, like his bare, you know, bottom, bottom floor is, you know, 10 targets. His catch rate is insane. Like it just seems like him getting him failing to get to like eight catches and 80 yards just seems impossible. And, uh, you know, has just the nut matchup against Atlanta and, uh, you know, even, even if new Orleans jumps out to an early lead, like Thomas's route tree is so close to the line of scrimmage and such, you know, high, uh, you know, high catch rate balls that I just don't really think it's super likely for him to just get phased out of the game due to new Orleans blowout. So, uh, yeah, Michael Thomas probably prioritizing over jamming, uh, you know, that second running back. Like I think Thomas and McCaffrey are my priorities. Um, in lineup construction and then maybe going, figuring out how to get kind of that second price up running back uh, feels like more of a secondary priority to Thomas for me. Um, we touched on Devonte Adams. I mean, six, nine, very good price for him. And uh, I think makes for an interesting stacking option given kind of the game that he's in uh, Christian Kirk, you know, good price uh, figures to get just peppered with a lot of short targets, very catchable balls. Uh, I think his upside is, uh, I don't know. Well, I don't think it, I don't know. He has somewhat of a limited upside, I think. Um, but you know, seems to have a really good floor. So, so those are kind of some of the plays I'm looking at. Uh, and also the Carolina receivers didn't seem to get too much of a price hike. So might think about going back there, uh, from needing to save a receiver. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of receivers to, to like kind of, you know, get in here at the five K ish range, like Ridley, DJ Moore, Christian Kirk, you mentioned him. Marquise Brown, you got Landry, Crowder. There's a lot of guys to mix and match in this range. Tyler Boyd's interesting. Curtis Samuel's in play. The Tennessee receivers, A.J. Brown. If Corey Davis is going to be out, we got him as questionable, missing practice. So there's a lot of guys to mix and match in this range. Uh, I, I'm thinking about maybe in cash, mix and match in three of them, or just mixing uh, you know, in with uh, Michael Thomas. That's kind of what I'm thinking. And I think in tournaments, uh, a lot of these guys are going to be you know, just littered throughout lineups. <clears throat> yeah, I would, I would imagine so. Um, a lot of a lot of really good plays, uh, kind of at the top of the price scale. <clears throat> and if you are kind of going that jam them in approach uh, at running back and wanting to pay up a quarterback, gonna have to find some you know cheap receivers to work in. Uh, been trying to do a little bit of research to kind of key in on some guys. Uh, you know, still some work to do, but Alan Hearns at the stone minimum. Uh, uh, I don't know if it's Alan Hearns week, but it is. <laughs> I mean, he just offers you an insane amount of savings. Uh, but I mean, look, I, I don't feel good about playing any, uh, any of these sub four receivers, but uh, I don't know if you, if you want to go Thomas McCaffrey and either Camaro or Barkley, you know, you're going to have to go with some sub four guys. Um, I don't know. Demarius Thomas has been getting pretty good, uh, you know, targets given uh, target, numbers uh just given his price um and those tires are just over his head every time though that's the problem yeah <laughs> uh, um i don't know i'm intrigued by adam adam humphreys at three five we got um what's his name Corey davis is going to be out um or likely to be out um yeah humphreys and, at three five is really interesting yeah uh you know josh reynolds you could plug in uh he was he was effective last week kind of in 
Brandon Cook's relief duty. Um, I don't think it's quite like the same spot that Josh Reynolds was in last year um, since Los Angeles is going a little more uh, two tight end sets and Gerald Everett's kind of uh, emerged as a reliable uh, you know, option in that offense. But uh, again, if, if you got to find somewhere to save, I don't think, you know, Josh Reynolds is the worst, uh, the worst idea. Um, yeah. So those are some of the guys I guess I'm looking at if I'm really going to try to try to save uh, to get up to a couple of those premier running backs. All righty. Let's move on to the tight end position. And uh, listen, I think it's a week. We listen, we, we talked about all these really good plays and uh, there's not many spots to save. This is where we're saving. Uh, I think uh, on FanDuel, you can get like a guy like a Kelsey in, in a top end tight end, but it's a lot more difficult on DraftKings, which means they're great tournament plays, right? Like Travis Kelsey will probably go under own. Uh, it's just going to probably happen. Uh, but yeah, I think we're really looking at guys like Doyle. We're looking at Gazeki. Uh, Everett, those are probably like the three tight ends I'm keying in on. Uh, what about you? Yeah, Doyle, I like a lot. Um, you know, he, <clears throat> I think we uh looked at him last week and like he has pretty strong negative correlation with T.Y. Hilton, which would lead us to suggest or you know, lead us to maybe assume that the absence of Hilton will you know stands to really help Jack Doyle. Um, you know, Miami is is a bit of a sieve uh in the secondary, but um. A little worried about that game script and you know DraftKings has brought up Doyle not an insignificant amount uh he's now at three six um Gusecki, yeah very uh very interested in his, his uh you know his volume's been up the last few weeks and uh Indianapolis defensively is a team that is actually pretty vulnerable at tight end they give up like a pretty uh high market share of targets to the tight end position and um you know, with, with, uh, Preston Williams gone, I mean, there's, you know, some, some, uh, you know, some opportunity, uh, that's up for grabs. And, uh, I think just, yeah, given the price, the matchup, um, and the fact that, I mean, you would expect Miami to play from behind, like Kaseki's an interesting spot. Um, yeah. And then goddamn, I mean, Rhett, Rhett Ellison, uh, down at two five, like, I, not, you know, it's not somewhere I want to go. Um, but, like we're kind of looking at a week where you're going to have to take, you know, some stone minimum plays or, or, you know, near men plays. And, uh, with Ingram out, I mean, you know, maybe Red Ellison finds his way to, uh, you know, catch like three or four balls, stumble into the end zone. Um, if, if the, you know, if the salary is there, I think I would prefer to go up to Doyle or Gasicki, uh, just cause the floor on Red Ellison, you know, feels like it's, you know, one catch, zero catches, uh, you know, two catches, 10 yards type thing, but, um, and so low, uh, so low. So Red, Red, Olsen, Red Olsen has as many touchdowns as Odell Beckham this season. So he's just as good as him pretty much. I mean, that that's why they got rid of Beckham. They just had, uh, <laughs> just, just to open Red Ellison, uh, you know, open opportunity for, for Red Ellison. Yeah. But um, I, it, listen, you're right. It is intriguing. I wasn't like thinking, I didn't realize his price was like the 500 or less, but like, I don't know if that 500 gets you, you know, up to Michael Thomas or something, or, you know, get you in that like last piece that you're looking for. Like if that 500 gets you Lamar Jackson, you might feel safer about that. Cause listen, when we're playing Gazeki, we don't feel good about that. Like uh, Doyle got, yeah. Doyle's like a, a thousand one hundred more than, than Ellison, which is a huge price hike. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, would you rather play, Jameis Ellison or Jack, uh, I'm sorry, Jameis Gasicki or Jackson Ellison. Um, 
Yeah, give me Jackson yeah. Ellison, I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, anyways, uh, something to think about. But yeah, definitely, I think in cash, a week to spend down a tight end so you can get to those premier running backs and receivers. But yeah, like you said, I mean, in tournaments, I think uh, some of those high-priced tight ends, uh, Kelsey, uh, obviously, and, and I do like, uh, you know, the price point, uh, I think few people are going to be going to like Austin Hooper um, or even like Jared Cook. And I kind of like how they fit in uh, as, you know, just good leverage spots as a part of that great game environment. So, um, you know, paying paying up at tight end in tournaments, definitely not the worst idea, um, you know, I've heard. So. Yeah, if I told you Travis Kelsey, 6.4K, uh, you know, during the season, you'd be like, man, like, uh, we're jamming him in. Uh, it's just a really nice price tag, but uh, it just doesn't fit the construction of the slate, in my opinion. But uh, yeah. that means he's going to be lower on in tournaments, and there's a ton of opportunity there against the Titans. Uh, Stuart, we kind of got to get out of here, but before we do that, uh, you know, give the people a plug. Uh, where can they find uh, Advanced Sports Analytics, and what's the kind of the stuff you guys are doing over there? Yeah, so advancedsportsanalytics.com. Uh, you can look us up on Twitter. Uh, we're posting, you know, some kind of just – applications of our tools uh, on a week-by-week basis just to kind of give, uh, you know, non-subscribers kind of a look at some of the tools we offer and maybe how they can be used. But um, yeah, I mean, we, we have a pretty, at this point, wide toolkit of, uh, you know, these dynamic applications that you've seen on this show or previous ones. Um, you know, and then the goal is just to really give people the opportunity to fully examine uh, players, uh you know, and their, their mashups. And I mean, really just like look at, you know, 360 view at, uh, you know, the, the, the slate and the, the players on that slate and, and, and get a good sense of maybe how they compare uh, this correlation app, I think has been really, uh, you know, popular so far. And I just think really provides a good, uh, you know, quantitative backing for how we want to pair players and just giving people the tools they need to make like the most correlated plays and really, uh, you know, attack tournaments and kind of the most optimal uh, way from, from a correlation standpoint. Um, so yeah, check us out at advancedsportsanalytics.com or on Twitter and uh, we got some stuff there as well. Yep, check out the correlation tool. I'm going to check it out a little later today. It looks pretty awesome, but we got to get on here, guys. Thanks a lot for joining us. For me, Travis Mangone, for Stuart, we're out of here.